Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So, so good. Yeah, you know, when we come together and we pray, you know, the, the corporate agreement, there's, there's a release of faith levels and an anointing when we come together in agreement that things get established in a far stronger way. One puts 1,000 to flight, two put 10,000 to flight. So we see this whole thing of synergy take place in the realm of our uh, working together to see the kingdom being established and released in our nation. Yeah? So, so good. So, you know what? Let's keep in a place of faith and say, Lord, I'm trusting you. Look, if you're tithing, you are crazy faith people. I mean, tithing is, a, is a, like faith on steroids. Okay, so I get my income, and nine-tenths is going to cover it. I'm not going to use ten-tenths to cover it. I'm actually going to use nine-tenths to cover what I need. That's faith. And that's the whole point is, is not to keep us under law or under bondage, but to keep us in a place where we're continuously looking to the Lord that he is our provider. And so we acknowledge that as we bring our tithes and our offerings. We're not trying to twist his arm. Oh, man, I've missed you so much. I've got a thousand sermons for you. <laughs> so, not all in one day. Please, oh God have mercy. <laughs> we just celebrated the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And he became the curse for us that we would not be under curse. So I apologize when people have taken the word of God and wanted to put you back under a curse because you did not tithe. Oh my goodness. He leads us with love. He's not a vengeful God with a shambok waiting to see if you step out of line because he's looking for an opportunity to beat you up. That is not our God. That is a false God, but that is not our God. So we give and we're generous on top of our tithing because we are living in a place of faith, not works. Hooray! Hooray! And then, as we're doing this, because it's by faith, we, we, we're trusting in the Lord and we're hoping for the things we have not yet seen. Because if you've already got it, you don't need hope. Because you've already got the answer. 
So we continuously live in a place of hope. Okay? So you've got to understand that there's a combination of faith and hope. Yeah? Because some of you are saying, you know what? I've been tithing faithfully and I'm still waiting for the answer to my prayers, say financially. There might be one or two people in the building like that. And, and so the thing is that we pray, we praise, we worship while we're in this place, this tension holding on to faith and holding on to hope. Because we have not yet seen the full answer to our prayers. So some of you are trusting for financial breakthroughs and you've been asking the Lord to do it for years and you're doing all the things that you know to do, which is to live right and to live by faith and to honor the Lord with your life, your lifestyle, your finances, all of these good things. And you still haven't seen the answer. It's kind of like, yay, don't give up on hope. And don't give up on faith. And we continuously live in this place of holding on to hope and holding on to faith. Because if we let go of hope, guess what's going to come into our hands? Hopelessness. Despair. And then doubt, unbelief, accusation, the pointing finger. God, you didn't come through. And then we turn things around and instead of God being at the center we want to put ourselves at the center and we want to get God to do what we want him to do to meet our needs. And we put things back to front instead of recognizing that we are here for him. There was only one thing in life that we deserved. Only one thing. Hell. Hallelujah, we're not even getting that. By his mercy and his grace, we're not getting the one thing we deserved. We're not getting that. Anything beyond that is a blessing. God owes us nothing. But in his great love, compassion, mercy, he gives to us generously all things. Not because he owes us. Because he has that heart of generous love. Oh, overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Wow. You know, as I look around, it's really good to see you fully dressed and in your right minds. But I'm also seeing more of you than I saw before. And we've been blessed during this time. Yeah, the Lord has brought increase in other ways. So we just say, wow, thank you, Lord, for watching over us. Lord, this is our testimony. So our trust is you will continue. We continue to trust the Lord with our health. All right. Now, I've got good news for you. That even if your health 
should fail to the extreme where you are no longer living. I've still got good news for you. I've got great news for you. The blessed hope. The blessed hope. You see, if this world is all we have going for us, and if the only reason we're serving God is that things might go better in the here and the now, we're missing out on a whole other dimension that God has for us. So I want to talk a little bit about that next dimension. Is that okay? All right. I was loving our time together worshiping on Good Friday. Extended times of worship in the morning and another extended time in the evening and just remembering and recognizing everything that Jesus did and accomplished for us on the cross. Yay. And last Sunday, as we celebrated Resurrection Sunday, oh, the cross is powerful, but the empty tomb, whew, now you're talking. And the reason that there was an empty tomb is because there was a resurrection. Yay. And the resurrection resulted in an empty tomb. Hmm. How about that? You see, Jesus... He got a resurrection body. Jesus was the first fruits. His old body was not left in the tomb. Yay, yay, yay. And he's the first fruits. So God took his old body. which came to an end, died. God glorified the Son. Jesus received a glorified body. Post-resurrection, he started doing some things that were a little bit, shall we say, pushing the boundaries. He did some things that caused Thomas to be a little doubtful. He spooked the 12. Actually, it was 11. Right? But besides the 11, remember, Jesus sent out the 70. So we, so we know that, wow, there is a close bunch that were following Jesus all the time. We also know from the accounts of the crucifixion there, it specifically goes back and mentions that the, the group of ladies who were traveling with Jesus and attending to all the practical needs. They were also attending to the practical needs. There's some wealthy women there that were providing. Even though they had a thief for the treasurer. 
Judas, he was the treasurer. And he couldn't outsteal God's provision. It's amazing. I was tempted to say something about this nation and people trying to outsteal the resources of this nation. It's phenomenal what God has put in our land, our nation. And even though so much has been sort of creamed off the top, we've still got more underground than anything that we've already taken out the ground. We are a rich nation. The best is yet to come. So, with the 12 minus 1 makes it 11. Jesus just suddenly appears in the middle of them. Yeah, You see this in Luke chapter 24. And the, the disciples are spooked. Literally, they think it's a ghost. And so Jesus says, hey, come and touch me. And they feel, and guess what? The hand doesn't pass through him. They actually touch his hands, his side, see his feet. It's not a ghost. His resurrection body was a body. But there were some unusual things about this body because the room where they were, the 11 were hiding because they were scared that the same thing that had happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. Because the religious leaders, the elites, were trying to crush and squash what they thought was a religious sect. They thought it was a rebellion and they wanted to crush it. And so, for good reason, the 11 were behind locked doors that didn't stop Jesus from appearing. Yeah? So, we don't know exactly the connection between Jesus doing that thing and in Luke chapter 24, just a few verses earlier, Jesus is talking to these guys. They're walking on the road to Emmaus. Two of the disciples, probably part of the 70. And Jesus opening up the scriptures. Their hearts are burning within them. Jesus pretends he's going off a little bit further. They say, stay with us. Jesus plays the role of host, which is an unusual thing because he was the guest but he plays the role of host. He takes the bread. He gives thanks. He blesses it. He breaks the bread. And their eyes are opened. Oh my goodness, this is Jesus. Now, they were counted as among the disciples, meaning they'd been following Jesus for some time. But Jesus walked with them for a couple of miles They didn't recognize him. They invite him into the house. They don't recognize. They sit down for the meal. They don't recognize. Only at this particular action, something spiritual takes place and their eyes are opened. 
they were able to recognize that this body is Jesus. So there's something about this resurrection body which appeared to be a little bit different because they didn't recognize him at first. But then their eyes were open and then they were able to recognize him. It's a bit like when the guys went fishing. Some of you got the same, you know, modus operandi. If uh, things go wrong, you go fishing. So Peter and John, they're kind of like, you know what, this has all gone wrong, let's go back fishing. So they go down, they're there in the Galilee, which actually Jesus has said, I will meet you, you know, he sent a message, I'll, I'll see you down at Galilee, boys. And, uh, and they're fishing, they haven't caught anything. Jesus gives them some instructions from the bank, they don't recognize his voice. They've been with Jesus for just over three years. They don't recognize his voice. When they get this miraculous catch, all of a sudden, John says, it's the Lord. And Peter's kind of like, oh my goodness. And he jumps in the water and he rushes to get to Jesus. Which is an interesting reaction because he was the guy who denied Jesus. He denied three times. Jesus restored him three times. It was amazing. The grace, the mercy, the love of God. But this thing of not being able to recognize Jesus, this body, and then suddenly being able to... Re- In other words, there's something different about the resurrection body. You'd agree. So we know it's not the old body because Jesus, the first fruits, when he rose again, that old body was not left in the tomb. All right. So, turn with me, please, if you just switch on your Bible, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to tie it into where we were last week. And... Um, I'm so glad that you guys are here and also great to have people at home joining us. You know, God's doing some powerful things in his people on the earth today. And he is causing his people to step into a new level of passion and faith and confidence in the Lord. Yay. All right. And so as we come together, we encourage each other. We're not isolated. We come together. Oh my goodness, look at all these people. Wow, chock-a-block, yay. Okay, I'm not the only one who's rising up. I'm not the only one coming out of hibernation. All right. You should have had enough time to find 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 1, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Verse 3, for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried 
that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Hallelujah. And then he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Verse 20. We were here last week. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Right? This was the whole thing Paul was addressing because there was a false teaching. There was fake news that was being going around. It went viral and people were saying it, Jesus actually didn't physically rise from the dead. It was just a spirit, just a ghost, this kind of thing. Some said actually he didn't rise again because there was another set of fake news that went around that the, the, um, the chief priests and um, the, the Pharisees, they came up with this thing that they paid the soldiers who were guarding the tomb. Um, it was like, Hiring some, um, some foreign media company to put out, you know, a spin. And, and, and said, you know, just tell everybody that the disciples came and they stole the body. So put that out there. And, oh, and by the way, if the government comes to sort you out, don't worry, we've got them. We'll, we'll pay them off. Guys, this stuff was going on like 2,000 years ago. Yeah? And this is absolutely crazy. Do you remember the Philippian jailer? When there was the earthquake? And the prison doors all swung open? What did the prison jailer do? He drew his sword and he was going to kill himself. Why? Because on pain of death, you cannot lose a prisoner. Okay, you lose a prisoner, life for life, you're going to lose yours. How about these guards? That we will make up a story, you've lost the body of Jesus? No, the disciples stole. Oh, come here. This is a ridiculous story that they actually passed on. It was so fake that it was easy to spot it as a fake. Anyway. So Paul is correcting a couple of fake message things that have been going around. Oh, it was a ghost, it was just a spirit kind of thing. He's also correcting, oh, Jesus actually didn't rise again from the dead. You know, his disciples stole the body away. So... There is no resurrection. So he sorted that out. And most of you will remember that message from from last week. Yes, 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 yes. Verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, fallen asleep here is not because of a long sermon. Okay? That did happen. That was Paul. He preached through the night. Yes, a guy did fall asleep. He was up, up a room, fell out of the windowsill, and, uh, and, and died. Yeah. So, yes, falling asleep, long preaching, I get that. But this is not what he's talking about here. This is a euphemism. This is basically saying people have died. All right? 
So fallen asleep actually means they've died. So the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Verse 21, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Verse 23, but each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, again, second coming, those who belong to him. All right, so that's the headlines. All right, so that's the summary, the headlines. We're going to dig into a little bit more as we carry on in this chapter. So what, what is Paul saying to the Corinthians? Yes, indeed, Christ has risen again. Hallelujah. But the significance of his rising again is immense because, yes, he was crucified because of our sins. As the scripture says, and not only that, on the third day, he rose again, as the scriptures say. In other words, the word is powerful. This supernatural action ties in with the word. And of course, we know from John's writing, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Then the word came and became flesh, dwelt among us. In other words, the living word the eternal word actually came and walked on the earth. All right. This thing of first fruits. You know, for us, we live in the city, we're not big farmers. In fact, we're not even small farmers. <laughs> and so we don't necessarily understand that for the nation of Israel, the context into which Jesus came, he came into an agrarian society. And all of their feasts and their festivals were, were linked to what was going on in the seasons. You know, the, the planting time, you've got the, the first fruits, then you've got the end of the harvest as well. You've got, you, you've got all these different things that were so key to uh, their life and living off the land. And when you brought the first fruits, okay, you've, you've heard of, you know, taking food out of the mouths of babes. Yeah. It's kind of like, this is almost like, hang on, wait a minute. We've done all the hard work preparing the ground, we've put in the seed, we've watered. We've tilled, we've weeded, all this kind of stuff. Now we get the fruit and you want us to take the first of the harvest and do what with it? Not eat it ourselves, but do what? Give it to the Lord. Faith. And that action of saying, Lord, you have led me and provided for me, my family, thus far, Lord, that same protection and provision, let that blessing rest on the entire harvest. And so bringing the first fruits released the blessing of God, the favor and the prosperity of God on the whole season. Do you want your land to be blessed? Do you want your harvest to be blessed? 
God says, then trust me. Do what does not make sense. Trust me with this. And as people would come and they would give it as a free will offering and they would bring the first fruits, how much is the first fruits? It wasn't quantified. It was go through the first pickings. Get the first, the best of the fruit. Bring it and bring it as an offering to the Lord as you trust him to release favor and blessing on the rest. You continue to live by faith. You're saying, Lord, this harvest actually came from you. So we give you the first bit because actually it's yours. This whole thing is from you. So we acknowledge it's from you. Yeah? And so that context, the blessing that is then released on the rest of the harvest, come on. Jesus was the first fruits of those who got a resurrection body. So that the rest of the harvest, and we're going to get to Pentecost in a few weeks. You see, the whole thing of Pentecost is about the harvest. The festival was around harvest time. The outpouring of the Spirit is for the harvest. But by bringing the first fruits, everything gets blessed. We are the harvest. We're going to be blessed. So what happened with Jesus and his resurrection body, we can begin to prophetically look forward, same. Me. Walls are nothing. One day, we'll have a kind of a body that does some unusual things. Now, Philip got a foretaste of this. Now, he didn't have a resurrection body, but Philip, he was preaching... Apparently it was a really good sermon. <laughs> Had an impact on an entire nation. In fact, on a whole continent. Our continent. This is amazing. Very effective message. The guy says, hey, water, be baptized. As they come up out of the water, as they come up out of the waters of baptism... They didn't come out from under a sprinkle, but they came up out of the waters. All of a sudden, whoo, Philip was transported away. And he's now kilometers away. He's kind of like, uh, different environment, but same mission. Let's just keep preaching. Isn't that extraordinary? So, you know, just to, you know, those involved in the airline industry, your days are numbered. People will be able to, ah, anyway. Some of these things we don't know for sure. We've got glimpses on things. So to make a full-on doctrine about this, ah, it's not helpful.
But what does it do? It gives us a sense of intrigue. Like, you know what? I'm actually going to look forward to my resurrection body. I'm not going to go backwards. I'm actually going to go forwards. I'm not getting a downgrade. I'm getting an upgrade. And in a sense, the transition from this body to the resurrection body is this body has to come to an end. So if we are only living for this world, we're doing everything we can to patch this thing together to last as long as possible because if this is all we've got, boy, we better make it count. But the scriptures tell us, hey, there's something more glorious. So, if you do fall asleep, or if somebody you know does fall asleep, yes, there's a sense of loss, there's pain, but that's not the end. In fact, They're just getting that little bit closer to getting their resurrection body. I, I'm going to fast forward and then I'll come back. Is that all right? The fast forward is, remember the highlights thing? Jesus will come again. The second coming. Yeah? And when he comes again, we'll... We'll, we'll look at this again in a couple of weeks. But Thessalonians tells us that those who are asleep in the Lord, see that thing again? They will rise first, and then those of us who are still alive when Jesus comes, there'll be angels, there'll be shouting, there'll be trumpets, there'll be all kinds of amazing things. We will see what's going on. Nothing in secret here. It'll be totally known when Jesus comes, and with him, those who are asleep Jesus will bring everybody who has passed away. They'll come with him. And then, this is going to be like a movie you've never seen before. (laughs) Somehow, all of those people who are coming with Jesus who don't have a body, their body, which was the old body, will come up out of the grave and those in the sea, the sea will release. And so those old bodies of people who believe, they will re-emerge from the ground. You're looking at me like this is sci-fi. Yeah, no, this is, this is like... God himself will do this. This is, no man can figure this out. And those bodies will somehow assemble and then they will go up and the people who came with Jesus will be reunited with their physical body. Okay? That body will then be changed from the old earthly version 
to the resurrected body. Okay? Now, they go first. What about us who's still alive? If perchance we are still on the planet when Jesus returns, don't worry, we too, we will get that amazing trip. <laughs> Where we, yeah, it's a bit trippy. we'll start to do like Jesus did the ascension, we get that same thing that Jesus did, that ascension thing. Oh my goodness. Maybe that's one reason to try and stay alive longer. (laughs) So you can get that experience. But you'll get that ascension experience and your body, which is the earthly body, your earth suit, goes up and we will be caught up with him That thing caught up is the one word from the Latin Vulgate, which is a translation of the scriptures from Greek to Latin. Hmm? Some of us did Latin at school, yeah? No. So that was the language that they, they translated the scriptures into. And then for the King James... They didn't have all of the original manuscripts. Some of them, they only had the Latin, the Vulgate. So they translated from the Latin back to Greek so that they could take it from Greek to English. Which is why in one or two places, there's a word that, mm, mm, oh. but we'll get to that. And it says that we will be caught up. And so from the Latin Vulgate, it sounds like be enraptured with him. And so they came up with this word, the rapture. But if you go and Google it, you won't find that term actually in the Bible. So, being caught up with him, being caught away with him, do we believe? Oh, yes. So if you ask me, do John, do you believe in the rapture? Yes. Yes. Of course I do. That one. Not that other one. I believe in the Bible one. And so if we're alive, we get caught up with him, and we're going to read now in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, This body will come into the new resurrected body. Jesus got a resurrected body. We will be now clothed with our resurrection body. That's amazing. And then it says, so Jesus comes and then we will be with him. Yay, forever. Yay, where is he? At that point, where will he be? Well, 
will be caught up with him in the air. So we're with him with, in the air, then we're with him, yay, and then, and then, and then I saw a city come down. Because where he is, is heaven. And we will be with him forever. All right. We're going to unpack this over the next few weeks. Because I've said to one or two people that we will not be in heaven forever. And they got upset with me. And it sounds good, but it's just not biblical. It was nice knowing you. Thanks, everybody. Uh, you know, so good. The lockdown was great. And um, <laughs> there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And the old heaven will pass away. The old heaven is actually the current heaven. So where people go now when they die, on the cross, says to the thief, today you will be with me, be with me in paradise. So there's a place where people go when they fall asleep. There's a place. And Jesus is there. And that's the current heaven. But that current heaven is actually like the old one. It's current old. Right? And this old one, which is current now, when he comes, it will say, okay, that's old. Let's do over the old. There's the new. We will be with Jesus. That's the whole point. Be with him forever. That's heaven. That's heaven. It's him. It's his presence. It's his nearness. It's being able to see him in the full splendor of his glory. Which this body... You know, my wife, she keeps prophesying to me. She says, man, you've got a heavenly body. You know, she's like... She's, she's, in, she's impressed. She's impressed. And um, that's her. Yeah, yeah, she keeps prophesying, you know. <laughs> this is not the heavenly body. So it's okay, babes, you ain't seen nothing yet. This body cannot come into the full expression of the splendor and the glory of God. It would disintegrate. Oh, God. Forgive me, I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a generation of uncleanness. It's that kind of woe is me, Isaiah, encounter with the glory of God. So No one can see God and live. You've heard that scripture? Yeah? And then we sing, show me your face, Lord. Uh, 
I'll just step outside while you guys sing that one. It's kind of like, do you guys ever think about these things when you're in church? Are you just like, clearly, do you remember, I just told you, so you're going to remember, the guys on the road to Emmaus. Jesus was with them, but he was in a form they didn't recognize. They didn't see him in the fullness of his splendor, his glory, right? So Jesus can appear in different, can I say, forms? How about this? He goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and something happens to him, and he's gleaming white. Light is radiating from him. Even his clothes are just like brilliant white. There's a glory that's on Jesus. It's kind of, whoa! How about Moses, when he's in God's company, in his presence, he comes out from that place, and then he did that precursor to COVID. He put a veil, a mask over his face. Because the people said, too much light, too much glory. Okay? And God would talk to him face to face. So, because of the sinful nature that has come in and corrupted us as humankind, that thing's got to be straightened out before we can behold him face to face. So where he is, heaven... We will be, and we won't be disintegrated. And he will reveal himself in the full splendor of who he is. Come on, that's what this is about. So we need the resurrection body that we can actually behold him in a whole other way. The kind of way that right now, in the temporary heaven which will one day be called the old heaven the angels around the throne and the 24 elders and the living creatures and I mean there is some beyond our ability to actually comprehend John is describing this stuff and it's just kind of like don't know This is otherworldly. He's so other. He tries to describe it in human language, but our human language falls so far short of trying to describe this. It will always far exceed the written account. They catch glimpses of his glory, his holiness. They take their crowns, they throw them at his feet. They go, holy, holy. They keep doing it over and over again because of the immense splendor, the majesty, the glory of who he is. So we cannot see that and live. But Lord... The bit that I can withstand, show me your face, Lord. 
Because he's put that desire in our hearts to know him, experience him, see him, have communion, fellowship, feel love, experience him. We want to know more. Like what we've got is great, but we know there's so, so much more. So we need a different body to be able to withstand the glory of who he is. So in order to get that, this body at some point will have to come to an end. That's going to be okay. We'll miss you. You might even miss me. But that is a precursor to what we're going to experience. And this happens when he comes again. I was going to read you a scripture. Somebody forgot to stop the clock this morning. Can I read you a scripture? It's quite a long one. And then we'll close at three o'clock this afternoon. Same chapter, but now verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So he's talking about a seed, okay? The seed, in order for the seed to become a plant or a tree, the seed actually has to be no more. The seed has to die to give way to the tree, the plant. You don't plant a seed and then out the ground pops another seed. Come on, you know Van der Merwe, he planted feathers and hoped he'd get a chicken. This just doesn't work, okay? All right. Verse 37, when you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. So millies, put corn in the ground, you're going to get millies, corn. Okay, Apple seed, going to get? You guys are good. You guys are good. <laughs> Verse 39. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, fish another. That's really good. You're not coming back as an animal. It's good. No reincarnation stories here, guys. Come on. You want you want a scripture that will help some people who caught up in strange, mystical kind of Eastern religions, it's kind of like, yeah, you go. All right? Okay. Oh, the Bible's clever, eh? There are also heavenly bodies and the earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. So they're different kinds of splendor. So now he goes to explain. The sun is one kind of splendor, the moon another, the stars another, and stars differ from star in splendor. Okay, so 
hey, we're getting clues here. There's going to be something in terms of the splendor of bodies. Okay? Verse 42, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. Okay? These guys who are asleep, he now comes out and says, okay, they're dead. The body that is sown is perishable. Okay? So on this side. Let's make this the dividing line. Okay? So the old earth suit was perishable, would wear out. All right? So it gets tired. It gets sick. It gets diseased. It gets frail. It gets a little bit slower. Right? It's perishing. This is the seed, this thing that's perishing. All right? But it is raised imperishable. Wow. You're going to get a body that just goes on and on and on. Listen, if you thought Duracell was something, <laughs> yep, this bunny is going forever. Verse 43, it's sown in dishonor. The heart of man is wicked and deceitful. All right? Because we are of Adam's race, prior to the fall, we were made in God's image. But because of the fall, it was warped, it was marred, it's been scarred, right? And so that is the thing of dishonor. It does not honor God, all right? So we have this wrestle, the remnants, okay? Remember Colossians, the dead man. He's dead, 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 okay? But there's kind of like that, those phantom kind of feelings and things. That we, we, this body is one of dishonor and it can do the will of the enemy. It doesn't have to, but it can. Right? But guess what? It's going to be raised in glory. In glory. That whole thing of the glorious body, remember? Being able to experience his glory. This is that other kind of body. Okay? It's sown in weakness. You've heard the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Come on, you're going to see something in a moment. It's going to make you so excited. In our weakness, we do some stupid things. You thought I was going to say in our weakness he's strong. It's true. If we yield and submit to him. But we do our own thing in our weakness, we're stupid. We do stupid things. Maybe not you, but somebody you know. <laughs> it is sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. I was a little bit out of practice in worship this morning. To be honest, confession time. You know, after about five, seven minutes, it's kind of like, okay, this is now getting a little tiring. I'm out of shape. Yeah? 
Imagine a body that is strong, never gets weak. You know what? I'm just going to stand here for the first million years because I can. Million. Yeah. After that, well, I might dance for a million because I can. Can you see that this is so much better than this? That's the point of what Paul's trying to get through. The resurrection opens up so much more. There is so much more for us to look forward to. Okay? There's a reason that he's telling us, and I will get there by tea time. Verse 44. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. I am asking just for a little bit more time. Too much misunderstanding on this. They thought, oh, spiritual body means like waft around like a like an angel. No, what he's trying to say here. When you were in the flesh, you did the deeds of the flesh. But now, oh my goodness, full cooperation with Holy Spirit. Being led by the Spirit, well that's all you can do. Because you are a spiritual body. There's no place for wickedness or sin or temptation. Spiritual. Oh my goodness. Doesn't that excite you? Oh. Verse 45. So it's written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. So the first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. Jesus came from heaven, he was the first fruits, and so the prototype, we will be caught up with him and we will get this heavenly body. Right? Verse 48, as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. See that? It's kind of like in his image. Instead of corrupted from the fall, all things new. Hallelujah. So I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, whoa, whoa. Don't make a mistake on this one. Flesh and blood, if you in your own strength through trying to do self-righteous acts, through flesh and blood, you're trying to enter the kingdom, can't. Born from above, it's of the spirit. That's how we inherit and enter into the kingdom. John chapter 3. Okay? So don't mistake this and think, oh, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom means that we won't have a resurrected physical body in the kingdom. 
That's not what he's saying here. Okay, some of you can need to go and do some reprogramming. All right. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We will not all die. But we will all be changed in a flash. (laughs) In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. This is not something happening in secret, people. The dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? No more sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But... Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So as you stand, I'm reading this verse. As you stand... Therefore, my dear, hmm, my dear brothers and sisters, so good to be together. Stand firm. Why? Because this body is going to go to sleep. But don't worry. Jesus has won the victory. He's the first fruits. You can stand firm on this thing. Let nothing move you. And always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because we have hope in the blessed resurrection. The blessed hope is He's coming again. And when He comes, everything will be changed. Sermons will be shorter. (laughs) Victory over death. Boom. Oh, so much we're going to go into. It's just glory, glory, glory. That's what we have to look forward to. In light of this, stand firm. You have so much to look forward to. That means that we can endure the trials, the difficulties, the heartache now. The the little bit of inconvenience. You can go through it. Why? This is short and temporary. But oh, come on. This is where we're headed. Can I say it this way? The best is yet to come. Come on, let's praise the Lord.
Oh, we praise you, Lord. Come on, let's praise you.